Hey, what's up? I'm Lee McCormick. Welcome to Tramps Like Us, the Bruce Springsteen podcast, episode 108, Thoughts, Stories, and Graceland. I got a few random thoughts and stories for you on this show. I'm joined by a couple of new Springsteen friends. Steven Presepe joins me to talk about his fandom and running a club in New York City. And Neil Fitzgerald shares an incredible story about seeing the boss from the front row in New Jersey 1984. I may even throw in a story about Bruce Springsteen, Eddie Floyd, Memphis, Tennessee, Elvis Presley, and Graceland, too. Thanks for listening via the website, TrampsLikeUsPod.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you found the show. Stay in touch via the Facebook group page, Tramps Like Us, the Bruce Springsteen Podcast. All right, let's go to New York City and talk with Steven. Talking to Stephen Presepe, another uh, great Springsteen fan. How you doing, Stephen? Good. How you doing? Good, man. Thanks for talking to us about uh, Springsteen and some of the stories and your background with the boss and the band kind of thing. Do you remember when you first kind of became a fan when you heard that first song? Yeah, I yeah first, I'll tell you, the first song was 10th Avenue Freeze Out in college in 1977. Yeah. I was, I was actually a Bowie fan, and then my roommate played that song, 10th Avenue Freeze Out, and I was like, who is that guy? And it's a... Springsteen, that was that was it. <laughs> you're you're in. That was it. Yeah, you went out, grabbed Born to Run, and uh, you know that's where it all started. Not only that, we used to we used to drive an hour away to Buffalo and buy all these bootlegs that came in these psychedelic colored albums, and we yeah. bought every single there was out there. I had a big collection. That's awesome. It's crazy. Where are you from, Stephen? Yeah. If, you, if you're driving to Buffalo, where are you where are you originally from? Back then, no, that was I was going to college at Brockport State. Right. But I'm on Long Island. Right. I live on Long Island. Cool, cool. So when was your first concert? I assume you've seen him a few times. Uh, man, I saw him in probably 77 at, at Cornell. I saw him in small places, man. Cornell University. Yeah. I actually I actually gave Clarence a song that I wrote. I wrote a poem for my college newspaper, and Clarence came out the back door, and I gave I gave him this song <laughs> as a give it to Bruce. Yeah, he might be looking for some new lyrics, yeah. <laughs> over the War Memorial in Syracuse, that's another small place. And then I saw him a million times in all different places. I had a rock and roll club in, in, in on Bleecker Street right. in 1980. And I had some of these three guys on my, on my stage. Gary uh, Gary Town played on my stage. Vinny, Vinny Maddog played on my stage. Nice. Uh, half of Southside Johnny's band. Patty Scalfa. My first, one of my first acts with Susie Tyrell and Lisa Lowell as a duo in my club. Mm-hmm. And Patty would come in and sing with them. And I never forget, they did a great version of uh, Rock and Rob and acapella style. Yeah. It was unbelievable. Wow. I used to hang out with Patty. I used to go to her apartment and stuff. She watched her dog when she went away. That's cool, man. So I guess a lot of these guys were just be, you know, not really gigs, but just kind of either in the area, they're in town, they kind of show up and they're just jamming with whoever you got booked at the club kind of thing. Exactly, exactly. Like, hey, when Bobby Bandiera would play, maybe, yeah. you know, Gary Talent might come in, and Vinnie Maddow would come in and play drums a little bit, and, uh, yeah, it's great. Yeah, those are the great, great moments, the moments you don't hear about, right? the ones that don't get publicized. I guess Bruce never came in, though. Did Bruce ever show up for, a, no. for an encore or anything? No, no, but I did run to Bruce a few times back in the, like, 1980s when we used to go down to the Stone Pony in the fast lane when mm-hmm. John Cassidy and Peter Brown played there, and Bruce would show up almost all the time. Yeah. We did shot him and stuff. I mean, you know, Cassidy played my club, and he's a real nice guy. He's yeah. one of my idols. 
So let's talk about some of the, the live shows you've seen. How many times do you think you've seen them over the years there, Stephen? Oh, geez, I can't even get started. Uh, <laughs> I, it's, I'm, not one of those, I'm not one of those guys that went to thousands, but I went to, you know, every tour at least I hit. Yeah. You know, I saw them, I don't know, Syracuse. I saw them in Virginia. I saw them, uh, I came in, you know, Jersey, New York. Yeah. Too many to count, but I'm not one of those guys to travel around and, and you know, him 10 times a tour once a tour is good enough good. Right? you're lucky that you're from new york city where you, you kind of get everybody coming through right like me as well being from toronto we always get the big acts coming through right if you're going to play canada you're going to play toronto right and if you're doing a tour of the states you're going to hit new right. york city right so you're going to you know see them and you get all those great bruce springsteen shows right he's doing multiple nights usually in new york right yeah oh the garden forget i was the, the no news i was there i, was, I told you I, had, I made a bumper sticker nothing but bruce <laughs> when i was in college yeah and I went to the no, I went to the no news with a thousand of them, and I sold that the last one off my back. It was like it was like just just like a whim. I said, let me try to sell these things and forget about it. They were gone yeah. in seconds. No nukes. I was like 1980, yeah. right? It was like Tom Petty was on that. Yeah, gig, 19, right? 1980, and I felt bad for everyone on that who was on that uh, in that show because they were just saying the whole time, Bruce, <laughs> Bruce. Yeah, there's the great line from Petty where he's he's talking about, and somebody came up to him and said, "Listen, man, if you if you you're playing your show, and it sounds like people are booing, they're not booing. They're actually I, just they're actually just going Bruce." And then Petty's like, yeah. "Well, what's the difference?" I, <laughs> the No Nukes show was a lot of fun, and our slot was immediately before Bruce Springsteen, who was headlining that night. It was his birthday, I think, and people were yelling Bruce, you know. All night long. And Jackson Brown, at the side of the stage, he says to me, now listen, if you go on and you think they're booing you, don't, don't get thrown because they're really just saying Bruce. And I said, well, what's the difference? <laughs>
No nukes on the on the uh, you know you, you can watch it on TV. Uh, yeah. You rent it with it. I had so many bootleg songs before they were on records. That was crazy. Yeah, you were you were yeah, collecting I, records and you were kind of getting the bootleg shows. And the thing with Springsteen bootlegs too, there's all those like unreleased songs and from the vault that you're like, where did these songs come from? Right, and b- back then before he was releasing yeah. these box sets with all the extras, the only way you could get them was yeah, on, on the bootlegs, right? He, yeah, he was doing ties that buying like in the Darkness tour and Independence Day during you know way back then he was doing these songs. Yeah, and we loved it when, when the new songs came out. You know, we we're like, what the hell is that song? Yeah. Ties that buying lot is so much better than the than the record. Yeah, well, everything he does live is usually better than the record too. And that was the era too, where you know you didn't have YouTube. An artist could go out and perform a song and. You wouldn't have to worry about it kind of showing up on YouTube the next night, right? Obviously, there was bootlegs, but it was harder to find back then. These days, you know, if Springsteen debuts a new song in concert, like it's going to be everywhere the next day kind of thing, right? So, yeah, right. Can you pick one show, Steve? Can you pick one show, your favorite time you've seen, Bruce? Uh, I, I could tell you I could tell you a funny story, but uh, I'm not going to tell. I, well, I, I was there in Virginia when he played. With my friend who was dating Patty Scalper at the time, right. and I was there the day that he told me that you're gonna read in the paper tomorrow that you're seeing Bruce. <laughs> I was there the day I was there the day he got dumped for Bruce. <laughs> I don't think it came out that they were together till it was after the tour, right? Like Tunnel of Love era. Um, well, I don't know if it came out in the paper the next day, but it, I tell you, he got dumped because we went we went to the show and they were still dating, and we said, "Oh, great, we got backstage passes." I'm like, "Ah, I finally got a backstage pass," you know? <laughs> yeah. And back then, back then, Bruce would take a break in between sets, you know? So we got backstage during the break, and we're talking to Patty, and he said, all right, we'll, we'll see you. I mean, we didn't see Bruce back there. We said, all right, we'll see you back at the hotel. Oh, we'll see, we'll see you back at the um, backstage after the show. And she goes, no, nah, we're doing a fast break tonight. We're going back to the hotel. So I'm like, damn, I'm not going to get backstage. We're the first pass. But we were up to the hotel, and she never showed up. And yeah. that was the end of it. That was the end of the relationship. Well, it was around that time. I don't even remember when the the tabloids, those photos came out. Before they announced that they were together, there's shots of, like, Bruce and Patty, like, in a hotel room, like, on a balcony in their underwear kind of thing. Yeah, Rome. That was in Rome. Oh, Rome. Okay. Yeah, it was like a month later, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm not not great with the dates, but I was there, I'll tell you that. Yeah, man. Do you got a favorite band member besides Springsteen, obviously? Who's your favorite member of the E Street Band? Nah, I, 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 you know, I guess I would take Clarence back in the day, but yeah. no, nah, I don't have a 
I don't have a favorite. I met Gary a couple of times, but nah, no favorite. What about lately, right? Like, you know, 2020, there's nothing to do. There's no concerts, right? Have you been digging any of the new stuff that the band's been doing? Did you get, like, Letter to You, like, uh, any of the Steven Van Zandt records? Got, Are you keeping up on that stuff? I actually saw Steve Van Zandt at the Paramount about, I guess, right before COVID last year. Yeah. So I took my daughter. It was a great show, man. Right, yeah. And my friend Jack my friend Jack Daly is actually playing bass with Steven now. So that was very cool to see him. Nice. Awesome, man. But yeah. uh Yeah, lately I'm I'm hooked on the I tell you the truth, I'm hooked on the magic album like that. That's yeah. the album I play the most like uh I don't know what it is, but you know, I'm a little older now. I have a cigar and I barbecue with a little martini and I put magic on and it's just a nice, good not crazy record and just mm-hmm. good music, you know. Yeah, I love that one a lot, Steven. That's the one I say is like his last great album kind of thing like the rising was good the magic i think is a high point i don't think he's gotten better than magic since that though but that's a really good record right. it's a good e street band record the production's pretty good might be a little bit too shiny yeah. but uh yeah that's a good one man. yeah every song i like every song on that it's a good you know it's not like going to run or darkness or anything but it's it's a good, it's a good album yeah well those are uh you know that's a hard that's a high bar to compare it to right those those classic albums from the 70s yeah yeah those are ballads yeah yeah i mean it was Unbelievable. Yeah, so you've met a few of the I band thought, members, but you've never met Bruce, eh? Yeah, I told you. I, just, I, I met, him, I, I oh, met yeah. him a few times the fan. Yeah, I met. I also met my Clarence. Clarence had a bar at Red Bank. I forget the name of the bar. But I went to see Dave Edmonds there, and Bruce was sitting on the end of the bar. And I met my friends, and he went on stage and did uh, some, some small things. Mama, big things will someday come. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Unbelievable. That's awesome. Yeah. At 16, she quit high school to make a fortune in the promised land. She got a job behind the counter in an all-night hamburger stand. She wrote faithfully home to Mama.
met him a couple of times, but nothing like friendship-wise, you know. Just yeah, just bump into him and say hello, yeah, do a shot. <laughs> Hopefully he's not driving his motorcycle home after that shot he had, right? <laughs> I said he was driving like an old pickup, an old white pickup. You've seen photos of that truck before, yeah. Yeah, yeah, back in the day. The stuff he's been doing lately, Springsteen on Broadway, Western Stars. Have you checked out those, uh, those videos? Yeah, I didn't see the show on Broadway. I, I played a couple of songs. There's a new song I like now. Uh, oh, what's it called? It's fucking great. Bearing... Uh, oh, Burning Train? Burning Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's rocker. A, man, the beginning of that song, I'm like, this, this is great. <laughs> I said that all my friends. I'm like, this is a great new song by Bruce, man. Yeah, man. It shocked me. Still got now, it. The other ones are more mellow, but that's a rocker. Yeah, for sure, man. Good stuff. Still got it. You kind of casually mentioned you were playing in a, a tribute band, Tramps Like Us, right? That's kind of how we kind of connected, the the tribute band, Tramps Like Us. Well, they started in, I would say, about 82, I would think it was, when I had the Rock and Roll Cafe on Bleecker Street. Yeah. And I had a bunch of tribute bands. I had the Doors tribute band called Thought Parade. I had Four Sticks doing Zeppelin. And this band came in doing classic rock. It was called The Whole Thing. And they were a pretty good band. They could play Petty and everything else. But when they did a Bruce song, I said to the guy, Mark Delore, who's the lead singer still, I said, Mark, why don't you guys do a Springsteen tribute band? This way I, and call it Tramps Like Us. This way I could book you a lot more. Blah, blah, blah. Next thing you know, they do it. And it's one of my best bands. And they're playing to this day. They played, they played the Meadowlands before the Super Bowl or something outside. They, they, play, they play big places now. They, they put on some show. That's cool. Sure. Were you like a member of that band? Did you play like an instrument there, Stephen? Or were you just booking them or just kind of managing? No, no, no. It was my club. It was your club. You were just club. kind of I... working with them and booking them as a, as a band in your club, right? Yeah. I just paid them to play for me, man. I don't play anything. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah. You get to pick the set list and we you had... make some requests there? Nah, I just, whatever songs they could learn. I mean, now they know every song, but back then they had to learn really quick to do the, to do the tribute band thing, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure, yeah. You can check them out on YouTube and everything. They're, they're unbelievable. Definitely. Tramps like us. We're, and they're out of New York. They're a New York band? Yeah, New York band. Yeah. I guess they're not playing that right now because of the COVID, but yeah, yeah. They were, they're playing very steady. All right, Stephen. Well, that's great, yeah. man. It was great to talk to you and get some some of your thoughts there on Bruce Springsteen and your history there. So uh, uh, let's go out on a song. Yeah. Do you, you got one song you want to play here? Anything from the, the catalog, from their albums, any kind of live thing? Tell you the truth, I like Iceman. Iceman, that's a dark song, man. Slow song, yeah. I love. I I heard that song years. Ago. He, that song is so old. Yeah. Probably in the late eighties. Yeah, I love. Um, oh shoot, it's gonna kill me now. Uh, I'm trying to think of the uh, loose end. Like loose, loose oh, end, loose end's too. a great one too. Yeah. Another great. Both off that tracks box set that came out all those unreleased songs, right? So Iceman, he was he's played live a few times, but that uh, the version off tracks is really good, man. Let's let's play that one. Yeah, cool. Yeah. All right, you got it. You got it. All right, thank you, Stephen. That was so great talking to you, man. Uh, call me anytime. I got plenty of stories. Sleepy town ain't got the guts to budge. Baby, this emptiness has already been judged. I wanna go out tonight I wanna find out what I got You're a strange part of me You're a preacher's girl And I don't want no piece of this mechanical world Got my arms open wide 
love Elvis Presley, and Bruce Springsteen loves Elvis Presley. You know, Bruce had told that moment about seeing Elvis perform Hound Dog in the Milton Berle show in 1956 and capturing his heart and launching his love of rock and roll and his desire to sing and play guitar. You know, as a young kid, Bruce wanted to be Elvis Presley. Everybody wanted to be Elvis Presley, right? What, what kid, what guy didn't want to be Elvis Presley in the 50s? I love that story of Bruce hopping the fence at Graceland trying to meet the king. You know, at Elvis's home, Graceland, in Memphis, Tennessee, there's this long brick wall lining the front of the property, and the music gates guard the driveway that goes up to the house, right? There's a little security booth there. Fans would often gather around the wall and gates trying to get a glimpse of Presley. Elvis would frequently stroll down to the gates and say hello to the fans and sign autographs. So Bruce and the E Street Band, they're playing the Ellis Memorial Auditorium in Memphis, Tennessee, April 29th, 1976. This is on the Born to Run tour. For this show, the great Eddie Floyd, you know, my favorite soul singer, Stax legend Eddie Floyd, joins the E Street Band and Bruce for the encore, and they do his tunes, Raise Your Hand and Knock on Wood. Such a great moment. Let's go back and hear what that sounded like. Let's play a bootleg from that show. We got Eddie Floyd singing with Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band, playing some Stax soul on a Thursday night in Memphis.
your hands. Everybody clap your hands one time. I wonder if I can get my soul brother to help me sing him one time. Listen, let me hear everybody say, yum, 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 I want some. Everybody say, yum, 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 I want some. Everybody. Everybody help us sing it now. You know, there's a cool photo of Bruce and Eddie backstage after this gig, smiling and having fun. I don't know what they're doing, but it looks like Eddie's rolling a fucking big joint. It looks like he's got like he's got these big rolling papers in his hand. I don't know. <laughs> Bruce has told the story of what happened after that gig a few times. You know, he's introed his reinterpretation of Follow That Dream with this story on the Born in the USA tour. You know, I dig Follow That Dream. That was an Elvis song, and he took it and he rearranged it, adding new lyrics. I think I played that version on one of the early Loose End episodes with with uh, B.J. Cramp, where we talk about outtakes and kind of B-sides and non-album tracks. And recently, Bruce retold this story on the Graham Norton BBC talk show. And in terms of Elvis, is the story about Graceland true? Uh, Me raiding Graceland, you mean? Yeah, well, when Elvis was still alive. It was 1975, and we were in Memphis... And Stephen and I wanted to go to an all-night diner. It was around 3 a.m. We got in a taxi. The taxi cab said, yeah, but there's one right out by Elvis's house. So we're like, Elvis's house? <laughs> you know where Elvis lives? Take us there right now. The taxi driver took us to Graceland. And I got out. I saw there were some lights on in the house, because you could see the house wasn't far up to drive. Yeah. Gates were locked, the stone wall. I looked at Steve. I said, Steve, I'm going in. <laughs> and, and, and the taxi driver said, hey, man, don't go in there. They got big dogs over there. Don't go over that wall. I said, well, when's the opportunity going to come again? I jumped over the wall, ran up the drive, got to the front door. And I was just about to knock on the front door, and a security guy came out of the bushes. And, <laughs> and he said, Dad, can I help you? And <laughs> very... Casually, like, yeah. I said, yes, yeah, is, is Elvis, is Elvis here? <laughs> I said, well, Elvis is in Las Vegas. I said, okay, well, can you tell him, and I, I generally don't like to do this, but Bruce Springsteen was here. <laughs> and 
he may not know who that is, but I was just on the cover of Time and Newsweek. <laughs> for, for you young folks, they were magazines. <laughs> <laughs> they says, yeah, I was in the end. And could you tell him, yeah, I'll, I'll tell Elvis. And, and he came down and walked me out and let me out. That's as close as I ever got to Elvis Presley. <laughs> 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 Talk to Neil Fitzgerald, a mutual friend, put us in touch together, claiming you have, Neil, you have a great Springsteen story to lay on me here, right? So <laughs> I'm looking forward to hearing this. But before we kind of get into that, can I just get a little background on you? Like, are you a Springsteen fan? You know, what's your background with Bruce Springsteen? Are you a fan? Well, I, you know, I would have said if you had talked to me back in the mid-80s, I would have said, without question, huge fan. Um you know, I think my musical taste just kind of veered differently as his became a little bit more um, kind of gritty and somber. You know, like I, I think the last purchase of an album that I made, an album, it was mm-hmm. vinyl, yeah. um, <laughs> was was Nebraska. Wow. Eh? Wow. And, yeah. And I've listened to a lot. I, look, the guy can the guy can write a song. There's no question. Right. Yeah. And um, but, you know, I really became a fan. I can tell you, I probably owe it to my brother, Jim, who. Um, was in uh, in college at the time, and he he had uh, Born to Run on his record player in his room, and it was Tenth um, Avenue Freeze Out. It's probably the the song that I I started with, and I would just play it over and over again because mm. I was like, God, this is a great song. Yeah. Um, 
and then once I let the let the album play through and then it flipped back over to Thunder Road that was really you know the next song that that uh, really I mean I always like Born to Run yeah and I love that whole album you know every you know it's just that and I went back and I listened to kind of everything before coming here today and uh, you know I was just a huge huge fan of the first three albums and they were so different at times well it's like the first two albums he's really kind of finding his his uh, his sound you know where he's going to go and then by the third album born to run it's really kind of solidified and he, mm-hmm. there's where he's going to kind of jump off for the, the remainder of his, of his career right so right have you ever seen him live probably <laughs> probably about 10 times really yeah eh? yeah 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 i uh between between um 19 i might have been in 79 I'm not sure if he was at Madison Square Garden, but it was right. It was a Christmas show. The reason it was a Christmas show was, in my mind, was because he played Santa Claus is Coming to Town. Right, yeah. Um, but uh, once again, my brother Jim, you know, at the time you had to go into the lottery, right, to get Springsteen tickets. I don't know if you still have to, but mm. you had to go into a lottery to get tickets, and it was in Madison Square Garden. And I just remember walking out of that show exhausted, thinking, <laughs> oh, my God, if I'm this tired, how tired is that guy? I know that's the thing, because, right? Like you go to yeah. a, you go to a show and you're as an audience member, it's a workout, right? Like three yeah. hours, four hours to be attentive, right? But you're like, how does he do it? <laughs> right, right. And you know, so you know, we um, my my whole family was were Springsteen fans, and so we always entered into this uh, the lotteries, you know, yeah. and um, with the exception of this one time uh, during the Born in the USA tour which is um, the, the real crux of the story. Anxious to hear this story. Lay, out, lay it on me, man. What do you got? For yeah, and, <laughs> and so, um, you know, and I would just say, like, you know, if, if somebody would say to me, you know, what's your, what's your favorite Springsteen song? I would say it's so hard to come up with them. Yeah. You know, like I said, 10th Avenue Freeze, that was probably the first one. But, you know, I always thought She's the One um, was just a great love song that, that I don't think got its due. Mm-hmm. And um, that's... You know, if you go onto my phone and look at the songs that I've got on my, you know, 10th Time to Freeze Out's on there. Well, the whole Born to Run album is on there. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, I mean, you think about, like, Kitty's Back from the first album, from Greetings. I was just like, I listened to that the other day, and I'm like, God, this is a great song. Yeah. You know, the lyrics are amazing. And just a, a, a funny note, if you got time here. And, sure. Um, you know, a buddy of mine, Brian McGrath, big into music, loves all kinds. You know, it's kind of where I get a lot of, my because he's got time you know to, to listen and read and and he compared it to um the guys um um oh shoot i'm drawing a blank i'm sorry uh adam i dated courtney cox oh the um, f- uh, uh county crows. county crows guy yeah county, not counting crows yeah and how th- their first album was kind of a a spin-off of you know very much influenced by that album and i never really looked at it that way but when i think when you go back and listen to some of the lyrics you can kind of pick up on it well yeah he's he's one of those guys that's just influenced everything that came after him right like like every right. musician that kind of grew up you know post born to run has got <laughs> a little bit of springsteen in them if they <laughs> yeah if they're worth anything you know especially with the lot the live shows he's such i think he's just one of the greatest live entertainers I mean, of all time. yeah like, yeah and still, like in he's seventy years old, and he's he's still putting on great shows. Like he hasn't toured with the band in four or five years, but I mean that Broadway show was amazing. Mm-hmm. Like the the book, like everything he's doing these days is just 
he, he's, he's still great, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh yeah. I mean, like I said, you know, he can great artist. Still writes a song. Still writes a great song, and and it's always good to listen to. It's just that I think my musical tastes have just kind of gone a little bit into the alternative yeah. uh, genre, if you will. Time it was called the Brendan Byrne Arena, right. uh, in uh, the Metal, yeah, the Meadowlands, yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, it was kind of I wasn't even supposed to go to the show. Uh, my younger sister uh, at the time was was dating a ticket scalper, and uh, for her birthday she asked for front row seats to see Springsteen, and um, you know he got her the tickets. I think she actually had to pay for them. Um, but uh, she he, she got the tickets and he told her it was for a specific date and she invited a girlfriend to go. And they went and they showed up to the show. They went to the front, literally got to the front door of Brendan Byrne. And the guy at the door said, I'm sorry, ladies, but these are for next week. Because, you know, he, was, he played like 14, 14 in a row at the time. Yeah, this would have been, I think, I, I'm not sure what stand it is because he played, I think, both summers, summer 84, summer 85. And he was, yeah. it was always like 10 night stand or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think this was 84, Right. Okay. Um, if I remember correctly. So she came home, woke up the next day, immediately asked her, how was the show? You know, because every everyone you went to, there was something different. And it was just long and amazing that the guy could go for that long mm-hmm. at that pace. Yeah. Um, and she just said, we went the wrong night. 
would you come with me to the next show? And I said, absolutely. You know, you don't have to twist my arm. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it was the best show. And so, um, but I never really believed that these were front row seats. Right. So because of the guy, you know, that, that got him for her. And anyway, so we get in, go up, show the guy the tickets. He goes, okay, that way, go show them to the next guy down, down on the floor, show them to the next guy. He goes, okay, up there. I said, what are these tickets? <laughs> and the guy goes the front row. I'm like the front, front row. He's like, absolutely. Right up by the stage. So I'm like, oh my God, I've got front row tickets to see Springsteen. We go up there and uh, we get up to the front row and we were kind of, I would say about 10 in from the, um, the aisle. And I noticed that everybody was putting uh, earplugs in. Yeah. Well, neither of us had earplugs. And I'm like, okay, I'm screwed. And um, because right in front of me was, uh, you know, obviously the stage, which was probably about four feet high, I guess, four, maybe, maybe four and a half feet high. Um, and a three foot speaker. <laughs> and then right, right next to that was another, and it was like three by three. Right next to that were two three-foot speakers stacked on top of one another. And right next to that were three three-foot speakers stacked <laughs> on top. So about nine feet of speaker and, you know, got another four feet of stage. Um, and so once the show started, everybody stood up on their seats, including everyone in the front row, which didn't make any sense to me because I was like, nobody's in front of me. Why do I want to stand on my chair? Yeah. And the security guard was right in front of me and he didn't care that I was kind of shimmying my way towards the aisle. And so essentially at, at certain points of the show, I was front row aisle right in front of the person with the front, cause they didn't care. They were standing up and I was, yeah. you know, I was underneath their, their view. Um, and man, it was, it was just fantastic. Well, I mean, as we talked about, you know, the guy is a, a machine on stage and he's, literally sweating profusely like you know because he's it's like a sprint the whole way uh, he's a hard-working entertainer yeah man. yeah yeah and um he's got a bucket of water <laughs> that he would periodically dunk his head into yeah and he'd come up and water would be flying everywhere and so the first time he did this uh he had gone into the water came out he had a harmonica in his hand he runs over to us he jumps on the first speaker jumps onto the second speaker and jumps up to the third so now he's on top of this nine-foot wall of speakers, playing the harmonica, uh, does a harmonica solo, tosses the harmonica over my head to the people right behind me, um, gets down. You know, all the while I'm going, God, we really need uh, earplugs because it's so loud. Yeah. And um, you're in the sweet spot right in front of the, the house oh, speakers, yeah. man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yep. And um, he does it again. This time, you know, he's he runs up, jumps up there, does a guitar solo. Um, and so, and this is still the first set. Um, so it probably was three quarters of the way through the first set. Um, I wish I could remember what song he was playing. But he, he's got his guitar in his, I think it was his right hand. Maybe left. He's got his guitar in one of his hands. He runs up, jumps onto the first speaker. Now remember, he'd been dunking his head in water. Jumps onto the first speaker jumps to the second speaker, gets to the third, and as he's standing up, he goes to stand up and he slips off backwards. And he's coming down head first um, towards 
the people in the front row. Well, now all the so people he's in the he's, front row. He's fallen forward, not backwards. He's fallen into the crowd, off the off the speakers. Yeah, but but he was facing towards the band and coming off backwards, okay, right? Yeah. And so remember, there was this security guard that was in front of me. Well, I'm the only person who's not on their chair, and I was tra- I'd track him as he as he would go to the speakers. I'd kind of follow him because it was really almost right in front of my seat. Yeah. Uh, but as he goes and stands and he's flipping off backwards, it was instinctive that I just lunged forward at this guy coming off and he was going to crack his head on the concrete. And as I lunge forward, the security guard who's right in front kind of leans back and and caught the uh, Springsteen's guitar caught him in the back of the head. Because the guitar is coming down too, is it? Yeah, the guitar's coming down. He's wow. coming down. And so just kind of simultaneously, I'm just reaching up for him. And as I, I catch him, Springsteen under Bruce, under his shoulder, shoulder blade, <laughs> yeah. and I catch the guitar in my right hand. Whoa! And, and so I flip him up. <laughs> He's completely flustered. And he just wheels around. And I'm still holding the guitar. I mean, he doesn't even have the guitar in his hand. Yeah. I've got the guitar in my hand. As he spins around, he just looks at me and just goes, thanks, man. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Grabs the guitar, <laughs> jumps back up on stage, and finishes whatever song he has. It yeah, keeps, yeah. keeps on rocking, yeah. right? Oh, my oh God. yeah.
and, and to finish it off, he, he climbed back up on top of the speakers and just kind of pointed down at me. It was just comical the whole time. <laughs> you know, the crowd is patting me on the back. Yeah, and, wow, uh, the man. Poor, but the poor security guard, he got created off because he was bleeding. He got, he got and, hit in the back uh, of the head with uh, a telecaster. Yeah, and... Uh, and he uh, he kind of caught all the press the next day. If if I if I don't even know I know I, at Springs he might have even made a con, uh, comment uh, uh, for the guy or might have gone to see him. I'm not yeah, even yeah. sure. But um, you know at the time um, you know when I first discovered Springsteen, I lived in a little town called Richfield, Connecticut, and we really didn't have a ra- we had a radio station, but it was kind of they played a lot of Springsteen, but. Um, we moved to Stanford, Connecticut, which was in earshot of New York. And there was a radio station, WNEW, that was like, they worshiped Springsteen. They were considered a progressive station, but they did play, they just played a ton of Springsteen. Yeah. And so um, my brother was telling me, because you know, my brother, first thing my brother Mark did was call me, say, how was the show? I tell him the whole story. <laughs> oh, man. And he's, li- he's listening to the radio and, and he claims that what they said was, an alert fan caught Bruce Springsteen as he fell off the stage last night at the Meadowlands. And so that's my 15 minutes of fame. I'm the alert fan. That's amazing, uh, man. But uh, <laughs> everyone, everyone used to say, you've got to reach out to the guy. I'm like, how? How do you reach out to Bruce Springsteen? Remember that time? you were, Yeah, I wonder how many times something like that has happened to him where he's been like, you know, an inch from really hurting himself. And he's, it's, yeah. it's you know, it's something just steps in. Like, I'm, I assume when you're on stage and someone like that working that hard, you just kind of get... You feel invincible, right? Like you can do no wrong, right. and like after doing it for so long, you become confident. And all of a sudden, it just takes one thing, right? Just a little bit of water, yeah. and just slip forward. <laughs> and who knows if you had been standing on your chair like the rest of the people, you might not have had the wherewithal or yeah. the, the the ability to catch not only 165 pound Bruce Springsteen in one hand, but that Telecaster in the other hand. Right, right. <laughs> right. and th- that's that's potentially the. You know the story that I tell most people. Oh, I've held that guitar in my hand. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and they're like, "Well, what do you mean you held that guitar in your hand?" And I'm just like, "Well, let me tell you this story." And yeah. that story has been, you know, I should almost apologize to my friends that are going to listen to this. A uh, few of them have heard it so many times yeah. their their eyes roll whenever whenever I tell the story. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, it's a great story, man. And it's no fishtail, right? There's there's proof. People there. People saw it happen. Right? Okay, so I well, my sister was with me. Yeah. And um, I went to Villanova and I was going back for one of the reunions. And, I, you know, it's a, a, a guy that I knew. He wasn't, we weren't that tight, but this guy, Sal, comes up to me, goes, Neil, I got to ask this question. I was at this Springsteen concert. <laughs> he goes, He fell off the stage. It looked like he fell right in your lap. And I'm like, Man, I caught him. Wow. And so, and so, you know, there are a couple of people who would confirm, but I yeah. can easily. Easily get my my uh, sister Karen to confirm the <laughs> the details of the story because she was she was right there. Man, well, you must have been fired up for that second half of the show, like oh, af- yeah. after having that moment, and uh, <laughs> you'd be like, "Hey, man, th- this show would have stopped if it wasn't for me." And now we're going to enjoy this second half. It must have been, yeah. must have been just the best time, you know. I always say that I don't know how many shows he could have done if it wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so that's my that's my claim. That's amazing, but, Neil. Uh, but you know, every one of those shows it just was fantastic. Fantastic. I mean, you know, I, I think I, I've seen a lot of a lot of great shows. And, you know, you know, I saw Elvis Costello when he was young and angry. Yeah. Um, you know, I'd live out here in Colorado with Devin and, 
you know, there's a, uh, I don't know if you've ever been out to see a show at Red Rocks, but uh, they're absolutely fantastic shows. Oh, I'm so jealous. I yeah. love that venue. There's so many great yeah, shows that uh, happen there, and they film DVDs and videos, yeah. live concerts. It's so amazing there, yeah. It's an incredible place to see a show. And that doesn't sound funny. good there, there too? I assume. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, honestly, I think the best seats, like a lot of people like to be up close. I think if you're dead center mm-hmm. at Red Rocks, that's really the, the sweet spot right there. Yeah. Because, I mean, you literally have, you know, the, the the red rocks of that area are a natural amphitheater. I mean, they're, they're you know, well above the crowd, yeah. right? You've got these huge walls, and even the stage is almost, you know, you, almost, you kind of look at it and you go, God, is that natural? Or do they, like, blow up part of it to right. make it look like that? Yeah. Um, but just, and, you know, you got Denver down in the, down in the valley. So it's just an amazing place. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> One day, hopefully, yeah. All right, Neil, that was great, man. Well, you were an unsung hero back then, but uh, I'm happy that we were able to sing your praises on this show. And, and I got to thank you on behalf of myself and the rest of the Springsteen community for saving our hero that night, man. And yeah, <laughs> well, we're all welcome. A lot of great music came after it. More than killing graces in a secret places No boy can't fit With her hands on her hips that smile on her lips She knows that it kills me With a soft French tree Standing in the door like a dream I wish she'd just leave me alone French tree won't soften those boots Won't break it hard
That's the show, folks. Thanks for listening. You can find us on our website at TrampsLikeUsPod.com. Communicate with us on Facebook at our Tramps Like Us podcast group page. Tramps Like Us podcast is a nonprofit audio fanzine created by fans for fans and is available for free. We are not affiliated with Bruce Springsteen or Columbia Sony Records. If you've heard any music you like, please find it and purchase it from BruceSpringsteen.net, Amazon, your local record store, or wherever music is sold. As always, gratitude and respect to Bruce Springsteen and all past and current members of the heart-stopping, pants-dropping, hard-rocking, booty-shaking, earthquaking, love-making, Viagra-taking, history-making, testifying, death-defying, legendary E Street Band. Was a was an old Elvis Presley movie song. I always liked it, and that's the first thing I remember when I was a kid. Was I'd come downstairs in the morning, and my mother would always have the radio on while we were eating breakfast before we went to school. And I can remember. I guess I was nine years old that Sunday night when Elvis came on the Ed Sullivan Show. You know. And it always stayed with me. In 1975, we were in Memphis on the Born to Run tour. And uh, I was but a young lad at the time. <laughs> but it was late, it was around 3.30 in the morning and me and my guitar player, Steve, we called up a taxi cab to come and take us out to Elvis's house. And the cab came and he drove us out to Graceland and we got out. I remember the night was real quiet. And we looked through those two gates with the guitar players on them. And I could see a light on in the second floor window. So I said, Steve, man, I gotta, I gotta try. And I jumped up over the wall, and I got down on the other side, and I started running up the driveway towards the front door. I don't know what I was planning on saying or doing. But uh, just as I got there, I started to knock, and a guard came out of the woods and asked me what I wanted. I said, geez, Elvis home? uh, He said, no, no, Elvis isn't here right now. He was pretty nice. He was talking to me like he expected me or something. (laughs) He said, no, he's gone away. And I told him that I was a guitar player, too, that I had my own band, and that we played in Memphis that night. And I told him, Remember, I told him that I had my picture on the cover of Time and Newsweek. <laughs> I really did once. <laughs> but, uh, I don't know, nothing worked, you know. <laughs> so he took me by the arm and he put me back out on the street. And Steve said, did you meet him? Did you meet him? No. <laughs> but it uh, wasn't too long after that that a friend of mine called me and told me that he died. And it was hard to understand how somebody whose music had come in and and taken away so many people's loneliness made you feel like you were part of something and whose music gave, I know when I was young, gave me such a such a a reason to live or made me feel the promise of life could have died so tragically and uh, I guess you gotta be careful, it's easy to let the best of yourself slip away but I'd like to like to do this song for you tonight, wishing you all the longest life, 
with the best of everything. Your heart is restless from waiting so long. If you're tired and weary and you can't go on, if a distant dream is calling you, then there's just one. You can do follow that dream wherever it may lead. Come on, follow that dream to find the love you need. Come on, follow. Things he believes, the things. 